Welcome to Jabberwocky Audio Theatre. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you. Visit our website at jabberaudio.com slash support to learn more or go to patreon.com slash team jabberwocky. The following audio theater is rated ADPG, so parental guidance is suggested. There has always been a gray area between the just and the unjust, the lawful and the lawless, a nebulous region where the trappings of authority share little crossover with the course of justice, and where those who attempt to shine light into the dark recesses of power are often the least expected. Tonight, we revisit the events of Quorum so far. We first encounter this world in the inaugural season of The Gambler's Tale, entitled Outstanding Debts. Our tale commences in April 2011, where online professional poker player Jimmy Harmon finds his fortunes turned as his online accounts are suspended when he engages in questionable practices. Oh, son of a bitch! Unable to access his funds, he returns to live play in Las Vegas. But Harmon's quest to regain his financial footing hits a snag as his friend Will Archer, a floor man at the Limelight Hotel and Casino, warns him that one of his less than reputable creditors, one-time Las Vegas gangster Victoria Salkovich, is actively seeking him out. Christ, Jimmy, you know how many sorry chumps ended up with Matt's set of busted kneecaps underestimating Victoria? You have no idea what she's capable of. Don't worry, Will. On my way. Consider me gone. But Jimmy's efforts to leave town stall when he finds Victoria herself awaiting him in his hotel room, along with two of her enforcers. Victoria! Hey! I was just looking for you! And I have made things easier for us both. I was so hoping you and me and my friends here could have a little chat. You know I have the money, Victoria. It's just things are tied up with the online sites, and I can't... Oh! God, what the hell? Mr. Crick is understandably confused. And when he is confused, he expresses himself physically. From the look of him, I bet he's confused a lot. Salkovich sends Harmon off under the watchful eye of Crick and his even more vicious associate, Watson, to scrounge what funds he can from his own debtors. But Jimmy takes advantage of a timely diversion to escape down the hotel's stairwell, the goons in close pursuit. Faster, just get it, and I'll stop it. What the hell, Watson? You out of your mind? We're supposed to babysit him, not shoot him. Fortunately, with Will Archer's timely intervention, Harmon manages to evade his pursuers. Jimmy, what the hell are you doing back here? I thought you were gone. Those gunshots. Slight change of plan. Love to catch up, but in kind of a rush. Remember the goons from the casino? Son of a bitch. Victoria's muscle. Thanks! You're an angel! A really, really big angel! <laughs> in an attempt to replenish his bankroll and fend Salkovich off a bit longer, Harmon tracks down an old associate, Big Mike Dalton, veteran poker player and front man for online poker site All In Poker. But Harmon comes up short as Big Mike pleads poverty. Well, honestly, I thought you'd be happy to see me. Happy? 
Son, you have really got to work on your people-reading skills. You want to play the live game. Come on. You know why I'm really here, right? Jimmy, I, I don't know what to say. I'm tapped out. Don't even joke, Mike. I've let this slide for way too long already. What about the all-in poker site? Your name's all over there. And everything I've got is tied up in it. Can't get a decent ring game going to save my life. Opting to leave town, Harmon surreptitiously makes his way back to the Limelight Hotel and his car. As a reluctant Will Archer goes to retrieve the vehicle from the garage, Harmon spies another of his debtors, poker player Rachel LeBlanc, commonly known as Peeps. Ow! Hey, what the hell, man? What's with all the hostility? What did I ever do to you, Jimmy? Hard woman to find, Peeps. It's a big town. Especially if you're avoiding me, right? Where's my money? What money? I thought we were square. Seriously, I could have sworn that I sent you a check. You still in L.A.? Because maybe I had the wrong address or something. Wouldn't it be really funny if this was all a big... Jesus Christ, what the hell was that? Was that for real? Sounded like that was right in the garage. Oh my God, smoke, this is real. Oh crap, Will was just... No, that, that can't be... My car? Oh, Jesus, Will. Brought in for questioning by the Las Vegas police... Harmon finds his fears exacerbated by the warnings of unconventional homicide detective Ben Marshall. Now, whoever did this will try again, especially since they're trying to make some kind of statement. Wait, what do you mean by statement? Not to be morbid, but there are any number of ways to kill someone quietly, quickly, and surprisingly easily. <laughs> Seriously, I can make a list. Do you want a list? I mean, there was this one guy who... Uh, uh, never mind. But a car bomb, well, that's pretty far down on that list. You go to that much trouble? Killing itself is at best your secondary priority. You could clear everything up with just a name. And every minute you jerk me around is making it harder for us to do the right thing here. Jesus, you are absolutely insane. Nope, I had my psych checkup last month. Oh, okay. All right, now look, here's my card. So make sure you put the number into your address book as soon as you can. You could even put me on speed dial, but my feelings won't be hurt if you don't. Much. Reluctant to reveal his suspicions for fear that Salkovich has her hands deep into the police department, Harmon leaves, only to find himself face to face with the very woman toward whom all evidence of the attempt on his life points. We need to talk, James. Now. Get in the car, poker boy. But Harmon's expectations are turned on end when Sokovich reveals her suspicion that the short-tempered Watson set the bomb that inadvertently led to Will Archer's death, working at the behest of a mysterious group of investors seeking to force her out of her stake in the Limelight Hotel. I believe someone in this group is intent on ensuring my position is weakened, by any means necessary. Before Victoria can elaborate further, they find themselves under attack by mysterious gunmen driving a black Hummer. What I require your assistance with is merely to... Ah! Ah! down, damn it. Doors are armored. Put down your weapons and step away from the vehicle. Narrowly escaping the unexpected assault on Victoria's life, Harmon calls in a favor from Peeps, and they scramble to get out of town. But their departure is delayed when Jimmy spots cabaret dancer Amber, whom Will had been protecting before his demise. Will promised to help, and he's gone. And you're the only one I know I think he trusted. I don't know where else to go. Uh, yeah, yeah. If Will promised to help, I'll help. I own that much, at least. But before Amber can explain more than the barest of details, 
a so-called money man staying at the Lion Majestic Hotel, a cryptic note left by an inebriated client, and something about having to cover up a mistake. The pursuer's Amber fears catch up to her. Ah! Amber! Jimmy! Who the hell is that goddamn secret agent-looking guy? Did he just... I don't know! Oh, damn it, he's got a buddy. He's coming after us! Drive! Drive! Don't have to tell me twice! Harmon and Peeps are well on their way back to California when Jimmy gets sidetracked by a mysterious message given to him by Amber before her abduction. That it? Yeah. That's just a couple of names and numbers. Roach, 35.641, negative 115.359. And then it's signed Joshua with some kind of doodle. Coordinates. What? I don't know about the names, but the numbers sound like coordinates. Tracking the coordinates in question, Harmon and Peeps discover a woman's body half buried at a railroad junction in the Nevada desert. Holy... Is that what I think it is? Because if so, I am getting seriously skeeved out right about now. If you're thinking it's a shallow grave, then I think you may be right. She's got an anklet. No, wait. It's a medic alert thing. It says her name is Jasmine Starr. I also got a phone number on it. 725-555-0241. Says it's a work number, but doesn't say what it is. But Harmon and Peeps' search is unexpectedly cut short, just as they find one final hint. Key card or something. That's blank. Nothing printed on the... Oh, there's a post-it note on the back. LM2317. Whatever the hell that means. No clue. Did you check? Oh, crap. Headlights. There. Damn it, I told you we needed to go. But no, you have to play detective. Why doesn't anyone ever listen to me? Harmon and Peeps race away from their Tahoe-driving pursuers, managing to lose them in the narrow pathways of the still-under-construction solar power farm. Okay, there. That opening up ahead, we can cut across there. All this dirt we're kicking up should give us cover. All right, hang on. When I say turn, downshift into second and turn. But don't hit the brakes. What? Just do it and steer into the skid and accelerate out of it. What? I'll pull on the emergency brake. What? Trust me, I've done it before in a video game. Are you out of here? After making their escape, the pair trace the phone number on the body to a local brothel, where Harmon is rebuffed in his attempts to gather more information. <clears throat> Good evening. I'm Bruce Dundee. I'm the owner here. We are a legally licensed and above-board establishment. I don't know what kind of entrapment you may be trying to involve us in, but none of our business, I mean none, is conducted off-premises. I didn't even... Moreover, if you are not here for the accommodations or amenities, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Saw this coming. Despite Harmon's frustration, the savvy Peeps is able to assemble conclusions from seemingly obscure details. Well, now what the hell do we do? What do we do? Get the hell out of here! But we're so close what to... What we are close to is getting killed. You get it in your head to take down the system. Play boy detective, which BT dubs you're absolutely terrible at. Major intel dropped in your lap and you still haven't figured it out. Wait a second. What major intel? Jasmine takes him off the book's gig, figures she can make some extra, and heads to the Lion Majestic. But that's where things go horribly awry. How do you... Someone, the B-team if you will, does a half-assed job covering it up at the railroad junction and our goon's supposed to finish the job. Only he gets three sheets to the wind, loses his instruction sheet, and says too much to the pretty girl gyrating on his lap. Now, everybody's freaked, because whoever the hell's in room 2317 has screwed everything all up, and they damn well need to fix things fast. Slow down. Room 2317? The post-it note you took off our hastily buried corpse. 
LM2317, Lion Majestic, room 2317. That's where Jasmine was going. But before they can act on their discovery, their desert pursuers find them once again and make chase. They're trying to knock us off the road! And they're going to! Simple question of mass. Wait! If we just... That alley up ahead! What? On the left? We can't outrun them, but we can outturn them. If we try the handbrake slide again... Get your damn hands off the brake! I'll do it. Uh, here goes nothing! Oh! Son of a bitch! Now you owe me car repairs, too. Once more narrowly ahead of their adversaries, Harmon resolves to return to the city to confirm their suspicions and investigate further. I'm thinking I need to check out the Lion Majestic. Are you out of your mind? Even under the best of circumstances, you wouldn't get within a mile of that place. True enough. But I'm thinking we go underground. What do you mean underground? As in literally. To evade further pursuit, the pair venture into the little-known system of unfinished drainage tunnels beneath the city receiving unexpected aid from one of the local denizens who make the tunnels their home. They, they, they call me Crunchy. There's a tunnel that'll put you up right near the Lion Majestic docks. And, and lucky for you, there, there's even a little uh, utility shower in case you want to clean up if you know you're planning on going in. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the plan. Navigating the labyrinthine network, Harmon and Peeps make it to the Lion Majestic undetected, availing themselves of the evening's fight night event as cover. There, they use their appropriated key card to reach the floor where they believe the mysterious money man is staying, but find themselves facing a new danger. Is it just me, or is that the same sunglasses wearing Psycho who took down Amber? Sure as hell looked like it to me. And from the look of it, they've at least got a couple of rooms blocked off down there. If they make that three rooms. I think we might have a hit. Just got a call about a lobby cam IDing the son of a bitch. Come on! On it! Well, that was a freebie. Harmon and Peeps venture into the hastily vacated room of the mysterious agents, where they make a surprising discovery. These look like personnel files. Someone named Peter Sokolov. Says he works for some payment company. Quick bill. His name is on this paper here. Looks like, whoa, a statement of charges. Something about money laundering, bank fraud, wire fraud, UIGEA violations. Possible 75-year sentence. The money man is Sokolov. He's not an investor. He's a banker. I mean, there may be some connection, but we've walked into some kind of federal case here. Courthouse. Deposition. Got a press conference at one. Our boys have a very busy day. No, no, no. You're not supposed to be here. Nobody's supposed to know about... Guys! Hey, guys! Are any of you damned idiots still here? They're getting away! Harmon and Peeps race down the stairs to the hotel lobby, only to find the pursuing agents awaiting them. There! There they are! Oh, son of a bitch! Now what, smart boy? I don't know. I don't know. Just, uh, maybe down this way, past the shops. Oh, you are useless. What are you... Fire extinguisher. What's that get? A few seconds of cover. This way. Then where? I don't know. But the far door is closer to the arena access. Which might help us get lost in the fight crowd. Here's open. After eluding the agents, the two-spy poker player Bob Hutch Hutchinson, a close friend of Big Mike Dalton, and plead for assistance. I was hoping you could find Big Mike for me. 
I kind of need his help. It's hard to explain. Federal agents are keeping a money launderer upstairs and are planning to use him as some kind of a snitch. Meanwhile, they, or maybe he, got a prostitute killed and have been trying to cover it up. We know what they did, and now they're after us. Guess it wasn't that hard. Listen, I, I think Mike's back over at the Remington. Uh, since he's the brains behind All In, they've got him there doing some setup for the next TV shows. Got a whole bar set aside there for taping, so hell, that might be a good place to disappear. Perfect. Once the pair are safely away, Peeps takes her leave, after which Harmon makes his way to the Remington Hotel to find Big Mike. But after bringing Dalton up to speed on the past few days' events, an inopportune slip cues Harmon into a new, as yet unanticipated, threat. In any case, you want to find out the whole story. And I ain't saying I buy into your little theory. Seems your first step's to go back to the bombing. Track down this Watson character who killed your buddy Will. Someone put him up to it. You might be able to get him to tell you. Well, what's the matter, son? Looks like you've seen a ghost. I didn't tell you his name. What? Whose name? Now look, I, like I was saying, you've got Watson. to... Watson. Victorious Flunky. I never said his name. Whoa, Mike, what's with the gun? Reserved for special occasions. And unfortunately, this qualifies. But before Dalton can elaborate further, the veteran player is alerted to a new development for which he was thoroughly unprepared. Yeah. Yeah, I know about it. I thought we took care of it. Watson was supposed to follow up, but he's AWOL. Wait, what are you talking about? It's down? Totally down? Oh, I have to call you back. You just sit tight, Jimmy. Sweet Jesus. This domain name has been seized by the FBI pursuant to an arrest warrant issued, subject to forfeiture. Son of a bitch! The whole goddamn site is gone! Seized! Offline! Wait, all-in poker is gone? They're all gone. Aided by the Hummer-driving gunman who earlier attacked Victoria, Big Mike hustles Carmen out to the Remington Hotel parking garage only to run up against both the ominous federal agents and the Las Vegas police, led by Detective Marshall. Machine gun? Again? Oh, I hate machine guns! You know, maybe this would work out much better if we all used our words. Into the car, goddammit! Take it easy! I'm making a break for it. We can get past it. The authorities in close pursuit, one of the would-be killers, Nicky Morris, makes his escape with Big Mike holding the wounded Harmon at gunpoint in the back seat. In the chaos, the veteran gambler confesses to taking liberties with the all-in poker finance. Jesus, you're running a Ponzi scheme? Don't act so damn naive. Everything was fine until someone tipped us that the G-men were finance something. Something big turned some piss-ant banker, and we're gonna come after us. What, all in poker? Not just us, all of it. The whole industry, us, festival poker, poker playing at all of them. Jesus, they're gonna shut down the whole industry? No gonna about it. They just did. What the hell are you... Uh, you really have to work on your people-reading skills you want to last in this game. Oh! Hey, what's oh, going on back there? Say I take the wheel for a bit. Uh, 
Harmon takes advantage of a distracted Dalton to force the car off the road. But both Morris and Dalton are killed in the resulting crash. Afterward, Detective Marshall reveals what he's been able to piece together. Now, your buddy, Big Mike, he knew the feds were coming after him. He also knew that they were holding their star witness, this Sokolov guy, over at the Lion Majestic, prepping him for his big performance today. So he arranges for a young lady of the evening to go visit until Mike's goons killed her. They stashed the body and manufactured enough evidence to make it look as though Sokolov had done it. They were using that as leverage to try to get the whole thing shut down. So the feds were basically told where the body was so they could verify it. So is anything actually going to come out of this? We got the guy who got Will Archer with the bomb, or Will soon enough. Feds have their case, they're in court as we speak, and in the end, Big Mike and his goons will go down as the masterminds behind it all. And there's nobody to say different. So the whole truth doesn't matter? Some, but not much. Honestly, this is more than I'd have expected for something like this. The next morning, a dejected Harmon walks the streets of the city, reflecting on recent events, when Victoria Sokovich's town car pulls up beside him. James, so you will be returning to Los Angeles now? Uh, look, it's not like I'm trying to skip out on you, but after everything... Think nothing of it. You have performed well, and I reward good performance. For now, I wish to help. I believe that I have ways in which I can assist you in moving forward. You have needs, I have opportunities. Shall we discuss? Yeah, let's discuss. As the events of outstanding debts come to a close, we detour to Washington, D.C. some five months later with the interlude episode, The Messenger's Tale. Bicycle messenger Swipe is finishing her last day on the job as she and her longtime partner, Angela, prepare for their upcoming wedding. For her final delivery, Swipe is tasked by campaign worker Melissa with transporting a critical Senate candidacy form for contender Mary Lucas. You're the messenger? Here, I thought the outfit gave it away. Right, sorry. Not that we planned this scramble. Senate candidacy forms need to be filed on paper with the Senate secretary. We did that months back, but Ryan just found some donations from an undeclared... Never mind. Pure chance we caught it. Got a tip to go in and double-check the financial declarations. Somebody's looking out for us. Anyway, revisions to those paper forms need to be on paper as well, so here we are. Officially, we don't guarantee delivery time, but right now we should still be copacetic. But before Swipe can even get started, she is accosted by an aggressive passerby on the Georgetown street. Hey, hang on a sec. We need to make a change. Sorry, buddy. Love to help, but delivery clock's running. I'm the Lucas Public Outreach Manager, Barry Falchon. I'm hardly sorry. I don't know you from Adam. Don't know what your deal is, but if you are legit, call dispatch with the number on your copy of the order, and he'll let me know. Damn right I'll call your dispatcher. You are going to regret messing Yeah, I'll try real hard to worry. Undeterred, the man gives pursuit. But knowing the city streets, Swipe is able to avoid him by turning down an access road too narrow for his car. Seriously, this guy again? Tell me you're well on your way. Just kicked off. Relax, I'll make it just fine. Talk to you once the job's done, Manny. Just have my money ready after. Oh, heads up. Some half-baked street goon in a suit tried to snag the package on my way out. Could be he's on the level, but I'd bet against it. But just in case you get a call, 
which you won't. I won't hold my breath. Wise man. Swipe is making good time along her route until she is ambushed and knocked down by Spider, a rival Corian. Son of a... Too slow, buddy. No wonder you're a washout. Shaken by the encounter, Swipe calls Angela to let her know she intends to prioritize their relationship over her short-term job goals. Look, I do have to drop off this last package, but then I'm coming straight home, and I promise we'll take care of all the things I've been putting off. I love you, Angela. I love you too, Marion. But as Swipe sets off once more, optimistic about their shared future, she is run down by an approaching car, not only failing to deliver her package, but also losing her life in the attempt. Running underneath all these events, a mysterious cabal of conspirators using chess piece aliases, known only as the Quorum, plots behind the scenes, apparently manipulating events for their own nefarious purposes. Mr. Queen, where do we stand on Operation Repatriation? The full timeline is detailed in the briefing document on your screens. Some minor deviations at phase one, but for the most part, we are within projections. I didn't know we were expecting deviations at this stage. I'd be careful to avoid any cascade effect. We did run into some unanticipated complications, Ms. Knight, but projections did anticipate the possibility of instability. Mr. Bishop? Approximately 7% chance of deviation. But if you look at the original briefing sheet, that was planned from the start. Moreover, as it happens, that may not fall entirely to our team. How so? We'll need to see how events proceed, but several of our pawns are expected to neutralize each other. Miss Rook, do you have an update for this quorum on the situation with Senator Freeman's challenger? Resolved, Mr. King. Mary Lucas's candidacy has been checked. She will no doubt mount a sufficient legal challenge to technically enter the race, but will not recover enough to be a significant threat. Before we close this out, is there any fallout? Any casualties we should concern ourselves with? Nobody that anyone will miss. You've been listening to Jabberwocky Audio Theatre. Tonight's production, a special quorum recap. Produced by Jabberwocky Audio Theatre in association with WERALP. Radio Arlington, 96.7 FM, Arlington, Virginia. Featured in the cast were Cameron McNary as Jimmy Harmon. Yasmin Toizan as Rachel Peeps LeBlanc. Lydia Craniotis as Victoria Salkovich. Joel Snyder as Big Mike Dalton, Christopher Walker as Crick, Nick DePinto as Detective Ben Marshall, Amy T-Bear as Amber, James E. Lewis as Will Archer, Ricardo Padilla as Nicky, Alex Dinson as Watson, Kevin Murray as Bruce Dundee and Bob Hutch Hutchinson, William R. Coughlin and Bjorn Munson as Federal Agents Roach and Joshua, Michael Gable as Crunchy, Brian Crane as Peter Sokoloff, Tara Garwood as Swipe, Sarah Poulton as Angela, Aaron Rose Coughlin as Melissa, Greg Jones Ellis as Manny, 
Mike Bernal as Spider, and Joel Snyder as Falchung, with Pete Papa George as Mr. King, Joel Snyder as Mr. Queen, Faith Potts as Ms. Rook, Anna Fitzgerald as Ms. Knight, and Brian Crane as Mr. Bishop. Recorded at Arlington Independent Media with supplemental recording at Tolgi Wood Studios in Springfield, Virginia, and at Tohu Bohu Productions in Burke, Virginia. Music by Brooks Tegler. For specific music information, see our show notes at jabberaudio.com. Dialogue and sound effects, editing, mastering, and final mixing by William R. Coughlin. Post-production services provided by Tohu Bohu Productions, LLC. This week's episode was produced by Bjorn Munson and written and directed by William R. Coughlin. This recording is the property of Team Jabberwocky, LLC, and may not be rebroadcast, retransmitted, or redistributed without express permission from Team J. The underlying content, including the script, story, and characters remain the exclusive property of their owners and are used with permission. For all the latest episodes and information on Jabberwocky Audio Theatre, visit jabberaudio.com. If you're enjoying Quorum and the other yarns we spin at Jabberwocky Audio Theatre, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast provider of choice. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash teamjabberwocky for exclusive content. And to help us continue to bring you further tales of mysterious suspense and high adventure. Until next time, this is Marsha Renz saying thanks for listening. And tune in next week for the season premiere of Quorum, The Gambler's Tale, All That Glitters. Thou slain the Jabberwock.